I appreciate so much Sunday night. I want you to know this. When we have something special, don't just come for the kids. Come for those that's worked hard with those kids for three or four months because they are rewarded by your presence and uh, your thanksgiving and your worship. And I thought it was a great program. I mean, it wasn't fancy. We didn't have the fancy costumes. We didn't have the um, drama presentation. But we had some good singing. And we had some great word. And I appreciate all those young people. And some of them were so nervous, their knees were knocking. But they did it anyway for the Lord. And I admire that because I know what it's like to get nervous when you sing for the Lord. So um, let's pray tonight. We do need, did I, did I announce we need an emergency bus driver? I did announce that, didn't I? Amen. Now, don't leave it to me or I'll drive the thing, and that will be a challenge for the young people. Amen. So, uh, uh, somebody volunteer if you can. I'll dismiss early, and, but that won't get the kids out, so it won't help you a bit. Amen. All right, let's read the great chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, standing on the Word of God. I've enjoyed these key chapters in the Word of God. Matter of fact, every chapter is a key chapter. I wanted to go to Jeremiah 10 so bad tonight, uh, but I didn't think there'd be this many people here. And I'm, when I preach this message, I want everybody to be here on why you should have a Christmas tree. Jeremiah chapter 10. All the cults, Jehovah Witnesses take Jeremiah 10 totally out of context and say you shouldn't have a Christmas tree and you, shouldn't, you should not have um, uh, Christmas. You just shouldn't celebrate at all. And, uh, and then um, uh, we'll go to Isaiah chapter 61 about where it says they put even pine trees and fir trees in the tabernacle. And so that's, that's something right there, amen? So anyway, uh, if you don't, I could care less. I mean, if you don't celebrate Christmas, I could care less, but I don't believe that we ought to uh, condemn those that do. Matter of fact, what is pagan about celebrating the birth of Christ? Amen? I hadn't figured that out yet. So what is that? Christmas. Well, mass means uh, uh, gathering, and Christ means Christ. Amen? And if we take all the names that we don't like, we'll have to get away. We'll have to get uh, do away with Saturday, which is named after Saturn, and uh, Thor Thursday. Uh, we'll have to take that name out too, and we'll have to get rid of Hooray because that's a Mongolian heathen uh, uh, word that uh, means uh, worship the blue sky. So you know, uh, some things are ridiculous that people want to fight against. I'm just glad that Jesus came to us when we couldn't come to Him. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. That's pagan right there. That the sounding brass called the people in Corinth to worship the sex goddess. Uh, and, uh, it was, and, and so it says, if you don't have love, you're just as bad as a cult. And it says, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I may remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. That means you're a big zero without love. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Now look at the verse 4. Charity, or love, suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Uh, you ever seen anybody easily puffed up? Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. God help us there. Rejoice is not an iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. 
beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecy, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, and when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with, the apostolic gifts. And when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, and though as a child, and, and thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a, a glass darkly, but then face to face. Uh, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am also known. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you that love came down when you came to this earth and was born in a manger. And Lord, I thank you for the everlasting, eternal love that you fill us with by your power of your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray, dear Lord, that we'd realize what the greatest gift that we could ever receive is the gift of the Holy Spirit at salvation of love. God, help us to be vessels of love like Mary was. May we tabernacle you, and we do, Lord, because you're in us. But God, may we display it to a lost and dying world through love. So Lord, help us to study this chapter and realize how we can bring God's love to a lost and dark and dismal world. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever, you remember any Christmases or not, but can you remember a Christmas that you received a great gift? Can, can anybody just right off the top of your head, like a Georgia Bulldog jersey, amen? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, a great gift. I remember one time my mother gave me a, a wonderful red bicycle. That's the only thing I remember in my whole childhood because I remember it wasn't under the tree and I pitched a little fit like a little spoiled brat. And I mean, I was just pissed. I didn't get my bicycle, you know, it was terrible. She should have slapped me silly in, in the next neighborhood, amen, and disciplined while she was at it. And then I remember uh, after all the whining and crying and upset, I walked out on the porch and ran into a brand new bicycle. And boy, I remember eating crow that morning, and, I, and I, I can't remember anything else about my dismal childhood, but I remember how awful I was on that Christmas morning. But she fixed me. She bought me a big old basket about this big, made me get a paper route with that bicycle, and I earned, a, I earned 52 cents per week from every customer. That's what papers were then. And uh, got dog bit and uh, had to go out in the snow and deliver. She wouldn't drive me even when it was raining. She made me work. Not because I was such a brat on that Christmas morning, but God gave me a gift, and that was a gift of a mother that taught me to work. Taught me to, uh, to work. And I tell you what, I've worked ever since, and I enjoy it so very much. We had a guy uh, the last three days, uh, matter of fact, uh, brother Larry's brother-in-law, uh, shampooed every bit of this carpet, and then went up the steps and shampooed the steps, and upstairs, all the rooms. And I said, how much we owe you? He said, I'm just glad you got me out of the house. Amen, I'll do it every week if you'll let me. I said, you're on, buddy. I said, we pay good here. We'll go get you a hamburger, amen, or something. And, uh, and uh, he was so excited about uh, serving in the house of God. Now let's pray that he'll come to the house of God because he's never visited here, I don't believe. And that's uh, Carolyn's brother. And uh, his name's uh, 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 Pangle. Amen? And uh, I, think, I think he's under conviction just working on God's carpet all day. Amen? So praise the Lord. But what beautiful gift the love of God is. I want you to see, first of all, 
uh, and experiencing God's love, I want you to see, first of all, the, the, that love is the bridge to the world. And just to give you a, verse 2, it says, by which also, it says, excuse me, verse 2 of chapter 13, and though I speak of the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can, could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Now I want to tell you, first of all, it's a stamp of genuineness. The Bible says you're nothing. You're a genuine Christian if you really love God. Let me just give you another thing. It's the evidence of faith in Christ. Let's have a Bible study real quick. Look at 1 John 4, 19. 1 John 4, 19. That might be the wrong reference, but let's look it up. 1 John 4, 19. Let's look at that, please. It's the proof of faith. Yes, 1 John 4, 19. The Bible says this. It says, we love Him because He first loved us. So if you really believe God so loved you that He sent His Son, then you have faith, and evidence of faith is that you love God. Look at 1, Peter, uh, 1 John 3, 14. 1 John 3, 14. Uh, number 3, it's the proof of life. I'm talking about the love of God in you is a proof that you've been born again. 1 John 3, 14. You ought to write these verses down and have a Bible study with somebody that's doubting their salvation and really don't know they're saved. The Bible says in 1 John Chapter 3, verse 14, says, We know that we pass from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in what? Death. I want to say this. If you hate everybody and you don't love everybody, you might not be saved. Because I want to tell you something. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit is the lover in your life. And He loves you. Then number uh, four, it's a motive power in service. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says the love of Christ constraineth us. Uh, John 14.15, the Bible says that we love Him because we keep His commandments. So it's an act of obedience. It's an act of obedience. So we got the evidence of faith in Christ. we got the proof of life in Christ. we got the motive power in service. And it's an act of obedience. Don't say you love God if you don't obey God. Amen? And a lot of, a lot of times... Uh, we say we love a lot of things, but we ought to have the reaction of it and the fruit of it. And that brings me to number six. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. And it's the fruit singular. And then it's the queen of all graces. Look at our text in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. It says, now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Charity. That's love in action. That's Christ's love. And so then it's the royal badge of discipleship. Write it down. The royal badge. I'm going a little too fast probably. Uh, Miss, Miss Lance will say amen right there in the back. Uh, the royal badge of discipleship. The Bible says uh, they know that we are disciples because what? Because we love one another. didn't say because we die a martyr's death, not because we go overseas and be a missionary. It says they know we're disciples because we love one another. It's strange to me that some people just hate going to church and then they hate everybody in the church. And they find the hypocrite to hate most of all. And folks, I want to tell you something. The, the real disciple just loves everybody. And then uh, it's the light of the local church. It's the light of the local church. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. When the Lord took the candlelight or the candle or the power or His presence out of the church of, um, what is it, Ephesus? Yeah, it was Ephesus. And look at chapter 2 of Revelation, verse 5. It says, Remember therefore from whence, for, whence, for, whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works, 
else I'll come to you quickly and will remove the candlestick out of the place except thou repent. Folks, it's the light of the local church because the Bible says that you ought to, it, he's going to remove the candle out of the, out, of, out of the place of worship except you repent. But what, why? Look at verse 4. It says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. So the light of the church is the love of God. The Bible says they were, they were separated, they hated evil, uh, they were soul winners, they were steadfast, and they were serving. That's all in verse 2 and 3 of Revelation 2. But then they get to verse 4, it says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. You left your first love. And then verse 5 says, And I'm going to take the light out. I'm going to take my presence out. I'm going to tell you what grieve the Holy Spirit when you don't love one another. When you don't love souls. When you don't love God. And, uh, and folks, then last but not least, I believe the love of God in you is the criteria at the judgment seat of Christ. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I want you to look at um, uh, verse 7. You know, the, you know the verse very well, but I want, you, I want you to see something in verse 8. It says in uh, verse 6, it says, For I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. But listen to this now. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, not because I was a good fighter, not because I was a good finisher, not because I had so much faith. It says, Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love His appearing. So we ought to love God because it's the criteria for the judgment seat of Christ. And so uh, let's review, go back to slide two. It's, it's a stamp of genuineness, 1 Corinthians 13, 2. Number two, it's the evidence of faith in Christ, uh, 1 John 4, 19. It's the proof of life in Christ. It's the proof of... And then it's a motive power in service. Love, the love of God. Then it's an act of obedience, uh, John 14, 15. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the queen of all graces. It says you're nothing without the love of God. It's the royal badge of discipleship, John 13, 35. And then it's the light of the local church. It's His presence. And then last but not least, it's the criteria for the judgment seat of Christ that you love His appearing. Now, if you love His appearing, you'll be faithful. If you love his appearing, you'll fight the fight. You'll fight against the cults. Um, and folks, listen, back to 1 Corinthians 13 as we study this chapter briefly. It says in verse, uh, it says in verse 1 through 3, it talks about the preeminence of love. I want you to see something in, the, in verses 1 through 3. that um, It tells us that love is superior to sensationalism. Now today we live in a day and age where people are drawing people through pragmatism, that means get them there any way you can, no matter what compromise you make. But also they're, they're bringing them through sensationalism, what appeals to the flesh. You know, uh, rock and roll music, uh, country music appeals to the flesh. Um, uh, rock and roll concert, you know, dark auditoriums and lights on the pulpit, that appeals to the flesh. Don't appeal to my flesh, I got over it. But when I was a teenager, I loved that junk. I mean, I was into heavy metal and I, I used to follow this group called The Who. Now, God help us all. If you ever, the Who was a bunch of idiots. I mean, they would take the uh, guitars and slam them into an amp full of electricity, and we thought that was cool. Now, I never did go down the tube and, and uh, listen to Kiss. They were worse than that. They had their tongues sticking out and painted faces. 
And the guy's still trying to do it. He's old as I am, and he still got, paints his face up, and goes to concerts, and his, his gray beard gets in the way a little bit. And he has his painted face, I mean, demonic looking. And we used to say, wow, who? The kiss. Um, I'm just saying, folks, sensationalism is sensational to the flesh, and the devil uses that. Because look at verse 1. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, have not charity, I become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Sensational that you speak with tongues of angels and that you're sensationally um, um, uh, sounding brass. This is like a great sound of a brass, you know. We have that in our orchestra. But this was a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And uh, he said, hey, though I don't, if I, have, if I don't have charity, then I, I become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Then he goes ahead, goes ahead and says, uh, and though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. You know what nothing means? Zero. You're a zero. I don't care how uh, sensational you are or how spectacular you are. And folks, how much Bible you know, it, 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 you know it's superior. It's superior to, uh, um, uh, to, to this, the proclamation. Uh, it's, it's superior to even prophecy and perception and philosophy. Look at verse, uh, and power. You move mountains. It says if you don't have love, it's nothing. I care how many millions of dollars you make on TV. And then verse 3 talks about no matter how much uh, philanthropy you might have or how much pain you would endure. If you become a martyr without love, you're nothing. It says, and though I bestow all my goods to the poor. That's commendable. Though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Uh, we had a couple of families come by Monday, and the young lady said, I've got a job, preacher, and I won't get paid to Thursday week, and I hadn't eaten anything in three days. I said, Come on back here, we'll, we'll help you. And she had a little uh, uh, child with her, and her husband was carrying the bag uh, and the boxes as we loaded them up with uh, groceries. But I want to tell you something if we just did that just to feel good about ourselves and, and to be called a good church and we don't have love, it's nothing. We've lost the reward of it. If we don't really love people that are hungry. And, and I said, hey, sign up here because I'm going to tell you something. If you get food from this pantry, we're going to knock on your door. And I said, we're not going to knock on your door to collect anything. We're going to knock on your door and tell you how to be saved and how you can go to heaven and how much we love you. And the next time you come to this church, you ought to come to give. They said, what? We ain't got in the gift. I said, give worship to the living God. Because this food's from God, not me. And I wasn't preaching, I was loving. And folks, the best thing you can do is help a person learn how to uh, uh, follow God. And, and learn how to go catch a fish, you know, if you're hungry. Amen? And work. And, and, uh, and I thank God for you providing the food so we can do that. So we see the preeminence of love. But then I want you to see in, in verse 4 through 8, the practice of love. The practice of love. Folks, there's a way that you ought to wrap this gift to a lost and dying world. You know, I want to tell you something, friend. With all this junk going on, with these people running, and all the background comes out, and then they, they elect somebody that believes in abortion, and all this junk in politics, and all this smut coming out about these uh, ball players and about these politicians, 
and then about these actors and all these people that, you know, it's, it's just a wicked world we live in. I mean, I'll tell you, who's next? I hope it's not a preacher friend of mine or something, you know, that uh, molesting kids and being a playboy and all this junk going on. And I want to tell you something, there's some way that we can get across that God is real in this dark and damaging and dismal world. It's love. That we really love. That we have a love of God in us. And folks, there's uh, the lack of love uh, is a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Um, you know, it's, it, it devaluates you. I am nothing. Uh, it, it's a deficit in your life. I pro- it profits me nothing. Those first three verses are so convicting. We ought, we ought to give all the goods to feed the poor and give our life as a martyr. That's where we get the word witness in the New Testament. But without love, it, it gains nothing. And you receive nothing in return for your investment, and it's all wood, hay, and stubble at the judgment seat of Christ. There's one thing you ought to do. You ought to fall in love with God and fall in love with souls and fall in love with each other. Folks, the greatest gift you'll ever have is to be able to love people like God loves you. I mean, it's the greatest gift a family could ever... You talk about a red bicycle baloney. I'll tell you what's great is what would have been wonderful if I'd have, if I'd have been raised in a home where Daddy and Mama loved each other instead of beat each other up all the time and cussed and raved and ranted and, and threw stuff and burned houses up and wrecked cars and starved us half to death sometimes. It had been a wonderful experience. It just been normal life if I could just live with a house full of love. And folks, that's what these young people are looking for. I saw some of the heartaches in their little eyes when mom and daddy didn't show up. Now, we got a long list of people that did show up. Matter of fact, I think we had more visitors than we did members here Sunday night. And I thank God for that, that we had so many visitors. And we're going to follow up on every one of the granddaddies and daddies. And we're going to visit them, knock on their doors. Saturday is a busy visit, visitation. But I want to tell you something, friend. All they wanted was daddy and mama to come see them sing. That's all they wanted. I mean, that would have been the greatest gift they could have had for Christmas if that little girl up there would have looked out and saw mama. Or that teenage girl that's disowned her and she's living with somebody else if she had just made a way to this house to watch her girl and encourage her young lady uh, sing praises to God. That's love. And so folks, it's, without love, the home is empty. The heart is empty. And, and how do we wrap this love, the practical side of love? It's the preeminence of love. Words without love is worthless, the Bible says in verse 1. Faith without love is nothing. Good works without love is nothing. What is love? How do you, do, how do you gift wrap love? How do you gift wrap love? Going down to about the, uh, uh, slide 8, brother. We're just going to skip some. Well, I want to show you. I want to show you the ways of love. Number one, love is patient. Patient. Aren't you glad somebody was patient with you when you was a kid? I'm glad my mother didn't kill me on that... Christmas morning that I was pouting about not having the bicycle and she hid it on the front porch to test my reaction. You know what I'd have done if I'd have been the parent? I'd have restricted my kid from riding it for at least two or three hours. No, two or three days. I mean, two or three minutes. You know what I mean? I would have said, hey, you, if you don't appreciate it, you're not going to ride it. That's one thing about Santa Claus. He gives gifts by works. Better not pouch. Better not shout. He's coming, you know, and, and uh, 
You know, he knows when you are naughty and he knows when you're not. That's works. That's works. I'm glad, our, I'm glad Christ doesn't do that. And by the way, did you say, do you, do you, did you teach your children about Santa Claus? No, sir. You know why? I want credit for all those gifts I bought. Praise God. Hey, man, I ain't going to say some big fat man came down a chimney that we didn't have and get all the love and all the credit. I bought those gifts. Amen. And I say, the reason I bought those gifts because God blessed me to buy those gifts. Come on now, say amen. I'm just a Scrooge of Christian. You notice they're all out. The kids, you know, I didn't run your little fort low. I didn't run your little elf jumping around the fireplace. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to crucify Santa Claus because they crucified Christ. And Santa Claus wasn't good enough. But Christ was. I made everybody mad now. We're going to go home. Scrooge is in the pulpit now. Hallelujah. But I love you, to tell you the truth. Amen. You said uh, if your kids asked you about Santa Claus, what you going to do? I ain't lying. I'll never lie to my children. Because then they might not believe some of the other stuff I tell them. Never lie. Never lie. Okay, let's move right along about the love of God. Amen. We've done crucified Santa. But look at this. Uh, Don't let them watch this program. Amen. But anyway. They wouldn't anyway, but unless you do. But we see the scarcity of love. Uh, folks, the lack of love brings a uh, sounding brass tinkling cymbal. Reminds me of rock and roll music. Uh, it makes you nothing. But folks, the way that you portray it is love, charity, suffereth long. I want to say this, and there's nothing like a mother's love. Because I think mothers are the most patient human beings that walk this earth. Amen. God bless you mamas. I mean, you've got more patience than any of us daddies put together. And I tell you what, that's a mama's love. Amen? And then you, you throw them at us when we come in from work and say, whoop them. But anyway, uh, you know, l- l- patience. Patience. And then, and then uh, you know, the patience is in the midst of abuse. Uh, folks, these folks were going through total abuse for their faith. They were being martyred. Their houses were taken away. They were living in catacombs. They were living in caves. They were hungry. They were destitute. They were beat. They were scourged. And what did he say? Love is patient. Love is enduring. In spite of abuse and in spite of anger. Look at verse 5. Does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked. If you love somebody, you're not always on edge with them. If you love somebody, you're not always got the chip on your shoulder saying, knock it off, buddy, and I'll leave you, and I'll meet you in court. That's not love. That's not love, that's barter. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Folks, we need to have patience and abuse. We need to have patience and anger. We need to have patience about avenging. Look at verse 7. It says, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. You know what he was saying? He was sending these Christians out to be martyred and to be uh, scourged and to be whipped and to be imprisoned and to be hungry and be destitute and said, hey, listen, endure all things. Why? Because you love them. You love your enemy. You love God. You love souls. You love their soul. You're not trying to get even. This world we live in is just getting even is the theme. And then not only is love uh, patient, but I believe love is humble. Humble. 
Amen? Look at verse 4. The Bible says, Charity suffered long and is, not, and is kind. We need a revival of kindness. Amen? Where's your manners? You know, when you was dating, you had all kinds of manners. You even opened up the door for your, your, your date. Then you got married, you say, open your own door. And blow the horn when they're trying to get five kids ready. Amen. She ought to go out in the car and blow the horn and let you get the five kids ready. I often preach that. Never practiced it, but I preached it. Amen. But, you know, I mean, listen, where's patience? Where's patience? But folks, humility is love. You just don't think about yourself. Look at verse 4. Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. Oh, I'm telling you, friend, there is a lot of civil wars going on. I was only kidding about the Alabama-Georgia thing with with Tressie. And and by the way, two years ago, you came to play, and that's why you're still here. Don't tell me it don't work. Two years ago, they saw their little Megan up here singing, and then God got a hold of their hearts and saved their soul and got them right with God, and they ain't missed yet. We can't even run them off, even though they're fighting over Alabama and Georgia. (laughs) But (laughs) I will tell you this. and Tracy will just talk back to you. But anyway, listen. But look, look, look at this now. The Bible says this. It says it vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. I don't like deep sea fishing. They tried to get me to go deep sea fishing, Brother Jeremy. I was, the last time uh, I was in South Africa. I'll try to do it in March. But, um, you know, I don't like seasickness. I, don't li- I can't even get on a merry-go-round without getting sick. Uh, my wife makes me sick when she's driving. I, I, I got to be in control, hallelujah. <laughs> control freak. And, I'm, and, I, and I get dizzy trying to tell her how to drive. And her backhand in my mouth because I won't shut up and say, hey, there's a car 1,500 feet up there. Watch it now. Here it is, you know. I see the lights coming on right now. She's a very patient, loving person. But I want to tell you something. I went deep sea fishing one time and I caught this fish. And when I got it on deck, the thing just blew up. It was a, it was a blowfish, what it's called. You ever seen one? And it was holding its breath. I mean, and I looked at it and I said, good night, that looks like one of the members of Whitfield Baptist Church. Every time I preach, they blow up. And folks, love is not easily blow up. It's not, you like that brother Andrew, he's emulating me. I, mean, I got to look at that when I preach at New Year's Eve. But listen, it's, it's vaunted not itself. It's not puffed up. So love is humble. It's the opposite of what? Pride. I want to tell you something, folks. The trouble with us a lot of times, we love ourselves too much. We just love ourselves too much. We're in this thing for us. It's called pride. Folks, the opposite of pride is humility. And humility is I love God more than I love myself. Then third of all, love is pure. I don't have this in the outline. Uh, Brother Cody, I know you're just scrambling trying to find it. We'll get to the last slide in this minute. Love is pure. Look at verse 5. Does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Love is pure. Look at verse 6. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the what? Truth. Folks, I want to tell you what you ought to love preaching. You ought to love His Word, say amen. Uh, we had the Grisbys call me up right before the service, called Miss Connie up and said, my daddy's in the hospital and we've got a miss tonight and we're so sorry. I said, don't apologize. Your daddy's in the hospital. Be in the hospital, amen. 
but I thought, thank God that somebody was apologizing for not coming on Wednesday night. That's so delightful. It's just so encouraging that somebody wants to be here. And y'all want to be here, evidently. I don't see any rope burns on any of you. You was drugged to the house of God. And it encourages me. But I believe the way you listen to a sermon, you ought to listen like you love the truth. That's why it breaks my heart when people sleep through the message because there might be a lost person next door or across the aisle saying, well, if he ain't interested, I ain't either. I'll just go to hell. We ought to be enthusiastic about the way we listen. We ought to go to bed at a decent hour on Saturday night. Now I'm preaching, hallelujah. Don't stay up and watch your favorite ball game. Tape it. Amen. Love is pure. It has manners. It does not behave itself, what? Unseemly. It's pure in mind. We thinketh no evil. It's pure. It's pure in that we do not love sin, but we love the truth. Folks, listen, there ought to be something that that identifies us with the world, that we do not love the world. And we do not love the peer pressure. And we do not love the crowd. And we we do not love to be accepted by this lost and dying and dark and dismal world. But we love the applause of God. We love to please God. We love to please Him because He died for us. That's what our life ought to be, a stamp of genuineness. We love God. We love others. So love is polite. Verse 4, it's kind. It's courteous. Love says, thank you. You don't owe me. You know what's wrong with a generation that's coming up? They think they have a right for this and a right for that. They even have a right to rule the church and run the church and tell the preacher how to preach and the song leader how to sing. Folks, there's no rights around here. The right is that God has the right and that God is always right. Not that I'm always right. I've made some terrible mistakes. Y'all been very patient in 40 years with this preacher. I I almost said young preacher. That's past tense. But I thank God for people that love each other enough to be kind, to be courteous. And then there's a politeness in not only action is kind, but in attitude, envy is not. You know, envy can be vicious. It can be vicious. Have you ever seen how people act when they're jealous? They can kill somebody. Amen? I know a guy that died early because he, he was ate up with jealousy and he followed his wife all around and uh, checked the, checked the uh, I almost said thermometer, checked the uh, speedometer and was just, you know, uh, uh, one of the guys working on the side of the road would wave at him and he thought he was waving at her and he drove himself crazy. He had a massive heart attack. He was one of the nicest guys I've ever met. But jealousy got a hold of him. Folks, love is not jealous. Love is not envious. We don't envy the sinner. We, we, we long to be uh, Christ-like to influence the sinner. And so it's polite in attitude. It's polite in action. And it's polite in, in uh, accent. It uh, seeketh not her own, verse 5. The accent of our life is not us. It's not grasping and getting, but it's giving. So if you want to know what the spirit of Christmas is, it's God's love. And folks, listen, it's polite in accusation. Believeth all things. True love is not quick to condemn. 
How many churches have been split through gossip? Hey, let me ask you a question. And y'all know Dalton as well as I know it. But how many churches have been started in Dalton, Georgia because some click, split, splatter, and somebody massacred the reputation of their preacher? Because they got hurt because they didn't appear in the bulletin often, and they started slaying his, his reputation and slaying his character. And now the church has three or four people in it. And I can, you can go to a lot of churches that have... Not even, don't even have Wednesday night service or Sunday night service because nobody will come back because Ichabod's written on the, on the door. God's Spirit has departed. Why? Because God's love went out of the place. And if we do anything in this 40th year, let's love each other more than we've ever loved and don't accuse people and don't envy people and just minister to people and love people like Christ loved you. You ought to forgive people like Christ forgives you. You ought to be patient with people like God's patient with you. And this talks about husband and wife too, praise God. I want to tell you something. You ought to realize how God, your husband, you the bride, the body of Christ has been blessed by the love of God. And you ought to love others as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Let me close by saying there's a warranty of love. And folks, I want to tell you something. If you get a gift, the first thing I look at is a warranty. You know, I'm not shy. Some people don't take anything back. I'll take everything back. Amen? We took something back to Kroger's right before church, praise God. Amen? We did. We took some, we took some food back. We didn't open it. We didn't sample it. We didn't taint it. We just got it a week early. We thought the Christmas party was a week. I said, man, we ain't going to hang on to that for a week. We're going to go back there and take it back. And they looked at us like it was crazy, but we, I didn't care. You know, there you go. Amen? $10 cookie, you can have it till next week. We'll be back. Amen. But I want to tell you something, friend. I believe you ought to have a guarantee on stuff. Now, I don't know about these extended warranties. Uh, you know what uh, uh, all these gurus tell you about buying these extended warranties, but there ought to be some kind of warranty. I'm interested in those Nissans with a lifetime warranty. I've never seen a car last my lifetime. That'd be a miracle. Interesting in that, Brother Gary. I don't know what that is. Lifetime warranty. Probably has a lot of conditions. Like don't let Wayne Cofield drive it. But anyway, love, love, love has a warranty. Look at it, verse 8, we'll close. It says, charity never faileth. Amen, that's a pretty good warranty, isn't it? God's love never fails. I don't care how wicked this world is, God's love never fails. You say, you believe that? I believe it because God said it. And then look at this. But whether there be prophecy, they shall fail. Now that's not preaching. That's the uh, foretelling of the future before there was a Bible. They'd prophesy that there'd be a rapture. Now we don't have private prophecies and we don't have private prophets. All those guys on TV say they're apostles and prophets. They're con artists. There's no prov private prophets and, and uh, apostles. They died with John the Baptist. Folks, we have the Word of God to tell us the future. We don't need no future tellers. Look at this now. Whether it be tongues, oh, this is really good. And whether it be tongues, they shall cease. Tongues is glossia. Acts 14, the last verse says, they spoke in the Hebrew tongue. Acts chapter 2, they list 19 tongues. They heard in their own tongue. 
But everybody wants this angelic, spooky language as the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. It's out of context. But folks, I want to tell you something. The interpretation of those tongues passed away when we got the Bible. We don't have people come showing up with this unknown tongue of prophecy or word, and then somebody jumps up here and, and gives the interpretation, and most of the time they don't even have an interpretation. And most of the time it's women. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 34, women should not speak in tongues in, the, in, the, in church. It's talking about tongues now, not, not testifying or reading a prayer letter. Don't get alarmed. I'm not going to kick you out of the church. But listen, you speak in tongues, you're out of order today. That's right. Because it's glossia. It was, a, it was evidence of God's power. It was an authenticating sign. Hebrews 12, 3 says there was authentication of, with signs and wonders to make them know that they were real disciples. Amen. Let me give you a for instance. Somebody knocks on the door in the Bible days and says, Hey, I want to tell you about a virgin born son of God who died and rose again. If somebody had never heard that and never had a Bible, They'd say, hey, Thelma, come here. we got a drunk on our front porch. He says there's somebody born that didn't have, a, didn't have a father and that he died and he arose from the dead. And they would laugh him off the front porch. But wait a minute, they'd say, hey, wait a minute. Don't you have a beer in there? And that's a casket, B-E-I-R. Yeah, is somebody dead in there? Yeah. Well, could I come in there, please? He comes in the living room and touches that guy in the casket and he's raised from the dead. And then he says, hey, I want to tell you something. There's a virgin born, son of God, died and, was, and rose three days later. They're listening now. Why? Because there was no word to back them up. So they had apostolic gifts. So tongues will vanish away. Prophecy will vanish away. And listen to this now. It says, but, um, it says um, well, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. Though I, and, and, and thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. The infant stage of the church was different. Don't go back to Pentecost and be a Pentecostal. Pentecost happened one time, 50 days past. Listen, listen, it happened one time. There was not another Pentecost. But boy, we're going to have Pentecostal Sunday. It's out of context. I'm not being mean. I'm just trying to teach you the Bible. The Bible says tongues will pass away. Knowledge will pass away. Prophecy will pass away. Knowledge was... Uh, this interpretation where they know somebody's need, the Holy Ghost would tell them exactly what's wrong with them. Said so you need to be healed of this certain disease, they'd be healed. Uh, about 20 years ago, ABC uh, caught the charlatans having um, uh, an usher with a wireless mic telling him, saying, hey, the lady in the red coat told me at the door she had... Uh, um, uh, deafness in her right ear and he'd say hey the Holy Spirit told me and they t piped in on the little internet the little, the little uh, intercoms between the usher and the preacher and exposed the crook how about that that's pretty embarrassing wasn't it ABC exposed them that'd be embarrassing wouldn't it he wasn't getting it from the Holy Ghost he was getting it from the usher with a wireless mic to his ear Walkie-talkie. And that's, that's just a show. It's sad. People skip church and go to those things all day on Sunday. Folks, it'll vanish away. Knowledge will pass away. And I don't mean to be so negative, and this is Christmas, and I don't surely want to throw Santa Claus 
out with the bath water, but I'm just saying, folks, we've got to get real. The real gift of Christmas is Jesus Christ. The real gift of Christmas is that He came to this earth to bring love to us. And that He loves us no matter what. Get wrapped up in the, 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 the Creator. Get wrapped up in the Savior, not the signs. There's so many people around, spooky signs, all, by, all coming out of the Bible. What good is that? What good is all coming out of a Bible? What we need is the Bible coming out of us. And the oil of the Holy Spirit being manifested through us. And don't tell me it's in the Bible because you, you can't find it in the Bible. That the Bible is going to bleed oil and that's the, that's the sign of some spiritual guy down here at the bookstore on Main Street in Dalton. I was down in Calhoun at the Lighthouse Baptist Church and this guy said, you heard about the oil up there? I said, yeah, I hear about it all the time. It's the Holy Ghost through and in every believer. I preach it. He said, I'm, not talking, I'm talking about the Holy Bible. I said, no, I don't only know, sir, I only know the Holy Bible. Then the lady behind the counter says, and they gave us some of that oil if you want it. I said, I don't want it. And that guy was serious as a heart attack. He was trying to convince me that I needed this Holy Bible. I wanted to convince him he needed a Holy Bible. <laughs> and he bought the Dakes Bible, which is a charismatic Bible with all the signs and stuff in it. One time a guy gave me a date's Bible and said, I'll take it. Praise God, it's brand new, nice, $100 Bible. I took it. Sure did. Then I went up to Lanham's bookstore and traded in for a King James Schofield Bible. <laughs> sure did, praise God. I didn't want him to give it to somebody else. I cashed it in. Loved that Bible. Old Schofield. Folks, there's a warranty. It's not signs. It's not tongues. It's not prophecy the love of God. It's not limited. Last slide. What I'm talking about is uncommon courtesy. It's uncommon concern. It's uncommon control. When you're controlled by the Spirit of God, guess what comes out? Not some unknown gibberish that nobody understands except you and somebody else. Uh -uh. I'll stand upon this. What comes out of you is the love of God and the Word of God. They prayed, the place was shaken, they're all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake in tongues. No. Acts 4, 31. They spake the Word of God with boldness. Amen. They took marveled and, and not, and, 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 at their knowledge and, and that there was not and they said they're ignorant, unlearned man, but we marvel because Acts 4 13 says they'd been with Jesus. Amen. Not they were trying to make them celebrities and start a TV program. It says, hey, they're martyrs, they're missionaries, they're, miss they're, they're men of God because they love one another. Folks, the greatest gift you'll ever receive is the love of God. And I'm going to just sum it up right now. The greatest thing you could ever do, and I'll preach to you straight because you're in the Wednesday night crowd and you ought to be able to take it, but the greatest thing you could do is go out of here and not beat somebody over the head because they don't believe the way you believe. And not condemn them. And not ridicule them. And not laugh at them. I want to tell you what you ought to do. You ought to go out there with the Word of God and love them. Love them. I didn't reach my daddy by beating him over the head preaching. I did for a while. It didn't work. Turned him off. Well, I reached, the way I reached my daddy was I loved him. And my mother loved him. And my sister loved him. And the love of God broke his heart. The Bible says you can heap coals of fire upon your enemy. 
if you'll love them. So folks, listen, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, but you'll never have a Merry Christmas, and you'll not have one day of happiness this next year unless you're filled to overflowing with the spirit of love. Love makes a difference. Love is kind. Love is guaranteed, warranty. It'll never end. Love never fails. And now faith, about faith, hope, charity, these three, but the grace of these is charity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this good chapter. Helped us doctrinally, but God, I pray it helps us dispositionally. That our disposition would be one of love. That we'd love our wives as Christ loved the church. We'd love our husbands as the church should love Jesus. That we'd love the lost. We'd love those South Africans. We'd love those prisoners. We'd love, dear God, those guys in jail for the 15th time. Even the guy that robbed the birds last July of all the tools and all the things that they hired them to do a job, and he goes off and rips off a dear couple in our church. Lord, when we, he shows up at jail, God help us love him. God help us to love people like you loved us. Help us to forgive people like you forgive us. God help us to be patient with people like you're patient with us. God, thank you for the greatest gift we could ever receive, the love of God and the love of the Spirit living through us.